Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. I need to ask you guys a question. How many of you, have you ever, who in here, let me see a show of hands, who in here has been, uh, had a surprise party before? You've had a surprise party. Yeah, good, good. The, that's good. The last service, like three people raised their hand, and I'm like, you need new friends. That was pathetic. Three people? Oh, that was much, much better. How about those of you in here that maybe didn't get one, but you've been a part of one? Let me see those hands up. Yeah, it's so fun. You know what? I, I've actually uh, been lucky enough to have a couple of them throughout my many years of experience. And throughout these years, I've had a couple of these surprise parties, and I just had one this most, my last birthday, which was in September, and we went back uh, down south to hang out with family on our summer vacation, and we're hanging out down there with them, and, and we were there for a few days, like we got there, and we'd been there for like four or five days, and then it was like birthday time, and, and we were just going to go out with a couple of friends. We were just going to go out with them and, and have some dinner, and, and Kathleen's like, oh, we have to go to their house, and then we're going to ride together over to the restaurant. And I'm like, why? That doesn't make any sense. That's not efficient. Why don't we just meet at the restaurant? Why do we have to go to their house to pick them up and then go? Why would we do that? This makes no sense to me. And oh, she's like, oh no, they, these people are craftsmen. They work wood, they're decorators, all kinds of stuff. They're like, no, they've done some things to the house. They built some new doors, some sliding doors over. They want you to see the work that they've done. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't make any sense. And so this is me showing up at their house. <laughs> Those are nice I doors. Off. <laughs> Hello, you look beautiful. It's so good to see you. Hey, how are you? Hey, how did you look like Mr. Queen? That's what happened, right? scared me, man. I ran away. I had no idea. I was just like clueless, right? Like if you want to do a surprise party for me, go ahead. Cause I'm like, doo, doo, doo. like I have no idea. And I remember standing there in the hallway and I'm like talking to our friends. And then I could see like down the dark hall, there's this movement in there. And I was like, man, we're getting really close to Halloween time. What's going on up in here? But it was a fun surprise. Of course, surprises can be good or maybe not so good, right? Like, uh, you, could, you could be pleasantly surprised that your uh, last place team, you know, does an upset and beats somebody really good, you know, like that could be a, a pleasant surprise. Or, or you, you might be absolutely devastated by the surprising news that the doctor brings in. Uh, we have that kind of news as well that we get as surprises. Uh, a young couple might be absolutely delighted that, uh, with surprising news that they're going to have a young baby. But, or, or they might be incredibly worried about how they're going to handle this and move into this next phase of their life. Or maybe both. And you know what? The story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, it starts out with a big surprise. Completely unexpected for her. Hey, did you guys know, uh, I just learned this not too long ago, the term teenager, 
Do you know that the, the term teenager was invented in the 1940s? Did you guys know that? 1940s. The reason that they came up with the term was a marketing plan. Imagine that. There's a marketing agency that wanted to expand an audience and for their product, so they wanted to label this group of people to get into a younger audience to expand it for a longer time, hence the word teenager. And that's where that started. It's crazy. Before that, and certainly before the 1940s, and certainly before 2,000 plus years ago, children moved early into adulthood. That's what happened in their lives. Uh, boys started learning their father's trade very young in life. Girls, by the way, were getting married and bearing children as soon as they were, uh, or soon after, they were at least physically able to do so. That's what it was. That's why many scholars believe, are you ready for this? that Mary was probably somewhere around 14 or 15 years old whenever the Gabriel angel shows up to her. Joseph, probably a little bit older. And her doubts must have been huge. But her faith was even greater. You ever think about that? Like, these are the kind of questions that go through my mind. Like, do you ever think about these things? Like, do you think that Faith does away with doubt, or, or is it more like, does it work in spite of doubt? Or maybe both. I don't know. Sometimes doubt remains, right? It, it just, it's there, but our faith leads us to act in faithful ways. Still, there are times when our doubtful worries are just eased a bit by our assurance of faith. And so with that, I want us to get into... Mary's story. And so if you would, will you turn your Bible to Luke chapter 1? Luke chapter 1, as we read her story. Will you pray with me? Father, as we dive into your word today, uh, I pray your Holy Spirit will open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear what you have for us, Lord. Um, may, we, may we hear what your word has directly, specifically, for us in this moment. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. In the, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town uh, in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Uh, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went uh, to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of, father, of his father David, and he will, reign for, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. And think about this. In verse 29 of what we just read, think about Mary's reaction to the angel's greeting. What does it say? She's troubled, right? Like, 
She's wondering what's going on. Right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Like, they, like what's happening? What, I don't, what's happening here? I don't understand what's going on. Uh, it's so human nature for us to do this. It's so, this is the way that God has created and designed you and I. We are frail, I mean, we are just fragile humans that are going to doubt and we're going to question things all the time. And so I don't ever want you to ever feel like, oh no, and, and uh, I'm not a good enough Christian and I'm not, I don't have a strong enough faith. Whenever these, when you run up against a moment like Mary's running up against here. Are you tracking with me? Don't, don't think that you're any less of a person. Don't, the enemy is, will try to trick you with that. Don't allow that. And she's like, what's going on? It says she's troubled by this. It's, you know what it would be like? It would be like, you know, when you get that phone call at whatever, three o'clock in the morning and the phone goes off at three o'clock in the morning and it's not some rando that's calling you, right? Like it's somebody that you know. It's somebody that you love. It's somebody that loves you and they're calling at three. What's the first thing that comes to mind? What's up? What's going on? What's going on? Like something is up. Because they're not going to call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. Something's going on. And this is what Mary is doing. And if the angel's appearance isn't terrifying enough, right? Like, what? What is this? Why would there be an angel here? (laughs) So not only are you terrified of his presence, what kind of message is this person bringing? And then, of course, in verse 30, what we read is the angel just then reassures her. He's like, don't be afraid. That's what angels always say. Whatever, easy for you to say. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And basically, right, he goes into like, hey, God likes you. Everything's fine. You can relax. Just chill out a little bit. And, And this is amazing because the angel then proceeds to mention seven things that will happen. In verses 30 through 33, uh, see if you can hear all seven. We just read this, but I'm going to read it to you again. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Seven things the angel just rattled off to her right there pregnant. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to give birth. You're going to name the child Jesus. He will be called the son of the most high. He will uh, have David's throne and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine all of these things he just lists off, but Mary seems to get stuck on the first two, (laughs) right? Like, wait, hold up. Can you go back to the top of that list? Pregnant? What? She takes him back. Look at what she says in verse 34. She says, uh, (laughs) here he asks the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And, And she who is said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. 
right? It's almost like the angel was like, hey, hey, Mary, you're not listening to the whole thing. You got hung up there on those first couple. Uh, but I, I told you that this child was going to be called the son of the most high. So the fact that you've never been with a man is absolutely irrelevant to what we are talking about here. This, this, uh, no man will father this child. It is the spirit of God himself. That is why it is said one to be born will be called the son of God. And then earlier in this chapter, we talk about Elizabeth and it comes up here again. Elizabeth is described as well along in years. Now, I don't know what that means, well along. Ladies, do you guys know? What does that mean exactly? Well along in years? Does anybody have an answer? Uh, well, you know what? We're just going to keep going. Let's just pass that. We don't need to take a deep dive there. We'll just pass that. She was at a place well along in years that it was nearly impossible for her to have a child. That's where she was. That's where she is. And Gabriel's delivered this birth announcement also. Not only are you going to be, but Elizabeth is as well. Elizabeth would bear uh, a child who would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the forerunner before the Messiah, before Jesus Christ. He's the one that's calling out for him. Uh, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. So Mary absolutely knows her would have known her what, and what Gabriel is talking about. So there's confirmation happening already in this. And since Elizabeth had gone like away into seclusion, uh, it's likely that nobody really knew about this pregnancy yet. So when Mary found out that her elderly cousin is having a baby, it would be this confirmation of the angel's words. Think about that. The impossible was happening to both of them to both of them. The miracle working God was at work. Do you believe that God can do the impossible in your life? I think it's, it's fascinating because when we read these stories like this uh, and we see these things unfold in front of us, we're like, wow, that's just, it's unbelievable, but it's real, it's true, it's here. And, and we're reading these stories and we're going through it and we're looking at it and we're like, this is an amazing story. But how often do we sit there and go, but that's, nothing like that's going to happen with me. When you come up against it, when you're in an incredibly challenging situation up against the wall, your face is smashed up against there and it doesn't feel like there's any way out of this. Do you believe in that moment that God can do the impossible? You've been battling this addiction. You've been battling and battling and battling and you're just fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and you just keep failing and failing and failing to this point in life where you get to this place where you just lose hope. Do you believe that God can do the impossible? The angel just tells us right there. The angel just tells us this is what is happening because God can do the impossible. And the story of Mary reassures us that God can do the impossible. God can do it. Verse 38, Mary responds to the explanation. How, how would you respond, by the way, to an angel showing up? You ever think about that? 
How many of you have seen uh, the, the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Have you guys seen that? Oh, hold on. Have you guys seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. If you haven't, you can go now. <laughs> like, what? What a classic, classic Christmas story. And uh, in that story, right, George is down and out, up against it. Feels like it's impossible. The situation that he's in, it's impossible. And so what's he going to do? He's going to end it all. He's worth more dead than alive is his thought, right? Along comes Clarence. Oh, Clarence is such a great guy. He doesn't have his wings yet, but he's such a great guy. And Clarence takes a dive into the water so that George will save him. And then they end up, right? They end up uh, inside of that little like toll booth area there at the, at the bridge and there's a guy in there with a spittoon thing. You know what I'm talking about? He keeps swallowing his spit. It's disgusting. Oh, what a terrible scene. Did it like four times. Uh, so uh, he's in there. And how does George respond to Clarence telling him that he's his angel? He ain't buying it. He's not buying it. I'm just wondering how we would respond to an angel showing up. And telling us, this is what's going on. How would you respond? Mary responds with this incredible, humble acceptance of it all. She saw herself as a servant, ready to do whatever it is that God was requiring. This is what she says in verse 38. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be, may it be to me, as you have said. What an incredible example for us. It's remarkable, the servanthood. But think about it. What other options could she have done, though? What if, what if Mary would have responded like a diva? You ever think about that? Like, what if Mary was a diva? Like, do you know what that would do to my body? I don't think so. Just got my nails done. Ah, this is a bad time. Right? Or if she was like some spoiled brat or something, right? Or, I mean, she'd be like, hey, listen, if we're going this, you better go tell Joseph because uh, that's going to be difficult. What if she had done anything like that? Like, and you better get us out of Nazareth because these folks are about to talk it up in this town. You better get us out of here. Nope. The truth is, is she responds with this incredible, humble servitude. Whatever you say, Lord... Whatever you say, you're the boss. And I'm wondering how, how would your life, my life, how would our lives be different if we, if we responded to like this, the way that Mary did to the various challenges that come along in our lives? Like what would that look like for you and I? I mean, the right answer is, oh, things would be great. They would be much better if you and I would do that because we'd be opening ourselves up to God's plan and his will and he could use us mightily. But is it that easy to do that? All sorts of challenges come along. 
And I don't know about you, but I often, when challenges come, I often don't have an angel around to tell me what's going on and explain to me what's happening. Like, that's not a thing. I don't get that. Does that mean that I should take on this kind of example? Is that Mary's example? Is that like a complacent view? Should I take that, like whatever happens, happens? Should I take that attitude on? Or are some challenges enough to force us into action? Like, how do I know what's happening? Like, if I don't get accepted into grad school, do I just humbly accept that it's God's will, or do I reapply? Like, what do I do? If I get diagnosed with some life-threatening illness, do I just prepare to die? That must be God's will. Or do I seek out a treatment? Like, let's not get the wrong idea of what servanthood here is, what the example of, that Mary is giving us. A servant is not a slacker, okay? Mary is absolutely a recipient of God's activity but she's also a participant in it. Do you see that? She moves in it. And sometimes, you know what that means? Sometimes for you and I, that means calmly accepting the situation that we find as it is and believing that that's God's will. Other times, though, other times it means that we are taking the courageous action to move forward, to change a bad situation. We move it. But listen to me, but it's always about his pleasure that we are seeking, not our own. And when we put ourselves in that place, that's when we know we're in a healthy spot. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just in case you don't know this, Jesus' middle name was not Emmanuel. Just in case you didn't know that. But names have meanings. And this meaning, Emmanuel, fit the character of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. He was God in human form. You can see, you can write it down. John 1.14. John 1.14. God's logos made his dwelling among us. You see, to the people, to the people who had felt forgotten by God, what he did now is he brought them the love and the mercy and the hope that God has to offer. And so this focus of this talk today has been on Mary and in her humble obedience to this unexpected plan that God has and he had in her life. And my question is, how do you respond? How do you respond when the Lord surprises you with the unexpected? I mean, think about it. Because many of us, we don't like surprises. We don't like it. Like, we, we get into our routines. We like that. We find certain security in our day-to-day plans. And so when our life gets disrupted by illness or by an emergency, or maybe it's just a simple schedule change, sometimes we find it frightening. At the least, we find it bothersome. 
And yet, a surprise like that might be God's way of calling you into something new, into a new direction. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Do you believe that God has worked through some unexpected circumstances in your life? And if he has, how did you respond? We, we get caught up into things and we get caught up into the routines and we don't like disruptions and we don't like expectations, surprises, unexpected surprises, and we don't like it. Uh, and, and so we have to see what is it that God is doing in this moment? What, what do I need to get out of this? There's a saying that I have said uh, for years and years, and whenever I get into something that it's not, I'm, it's not great, I don't like it, it's not in a situation that I want to be in or a circumstance or a relationship or whatever is happening, and what I'll say is, God, what is it that you want me to get out of this so I can get out of this? Because I feel like I'm going to be stuck in this until I get what you have for me so I can move on and into the next thing. So what are you showing me? Because can I tell you, more often than not, whatever things are happening in your life, it's not about other people. It's about you. And he's trying to open your eyes and to show you something. And so sometimes it's like you're banging your head up against the wall and he's going, come on already. Are you going to catch what I'm dropping here? Are you going to be on top of this? We read in scripture of the disciples and we're like, how dumb doofuses were these guys? They didn't get anything. And I'm telling you right now, we look like them all the time. Today, all the time. And so God wants to move and he wants to shift and he's doing things. And here's the deal. When you're 25, it's a little bit easier. When you're 35, it gets a little bit more challenging. When you're 45, let's talk about it. When you're 55, I don't know about that. And the older that you get, the less flexible you become. And boy, oh boy, you better be ready for the unexpected. God is into it, man. He's into it. Because sometimes we need that. We need that shift in our life. And he shows us what that looks like. And he's always better. It's always better. When we allow him to lead, we stop trying to do it ourselves.